Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever we are, wherever you are, whenever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. Tonight, I am surrounded by beautiful humans that are all uh, authors, writers, and they write for kids. What? So <laughs> I have Kathleen Cumbers, uh, who is an author therapist, mother, and eclectic witch living in Portland, Oregon. Kathleen is the author of a series of Wheel of the Year books published through Moon Dust Press. Her works include Flora and the First Day of Spring from 2022, Look and the Longest Night from 2022, and Sam and the Samhain Scare from 2023. We also have Ariel Kuzby, uh, is Ariel is an author, bookseller, and which who writes children's book about magic. She is the author of the children's grimoire, The Little Witch's Book of Spells from Chronicle Books 2020, and The Little Witch's Oracle Deck from Chronicle Books 2024. And she lives in the Pacific Northwest with her family and a velvet soft rabbit named Poppy. What I want to know about that. And then we have returning to the show, of course, my dear friend Sarah Beck. She's the author and illustrator, mother and educator who writes and creates from her home in New England. She uses her research and education experience to create vibrant books for young people, including, of course, the Tarot Deck Mess and Introductory into the Major Arcana 2023 and Magic Child 2024. I want to hear about that. She's also the creator of my first tarot, a tarot deck for children. And if you all remember a few months ago when Sarah's book came out, she was on the show. And then I kind of instigated Sarah with like, who else is writing for books? And boy, did she deliver. She shared her friends with me. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing your friends with, with, with us. And um, I want to check in with you first, Sarah. How are you doing? Hey, Laura. I'm doing well. I'm really happy to be back and getting the chance to talk with you again. Thank you. And thank you for being here. And tell me, what moves you to bring me this wonderful authors as your words uh kathleen and ariel why why do you like your do you buy their books for your children <laughs> i do i do i have i have everything that uh kathleen and ariel have put out so far um and we my daughter and i love reading them together um yeah kathleen and ariel and i um i guess Kathleen Kathleen got me into this whole mess of um becoming a a witchy children's book author um I think we we both independently wanted to write witchy children's books for kids um because we are 
both raising our children uh I don't know like in some in some witchy uh pagan uh I don't know exactly how Kathleen um names it so I don't want to speak for her but uh we both noticed that there was a lack of picture books available for our kids uh so we started sort of writing together and and getting feedback uh back and forth and then Kathleen met Ariel in Portland um who was already working on her own middle grade children's book uh, for young witches. And I'm so lucky that the three of us have become a sort of witchy writing coven. That is wonderful. So Kathleen, welcome to the show. Uh, nice to meet you. And tell me what inspire you to, and I use the word instigate as, you know, with levity, to mm -hmm. instigate everybody to write. What inspired you to write for kids? Yeah, so I think it mostly became just in becoming a parent, trying to really think intentionally as my child was born. My ground too, it's like as a baby. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how much awareness actually was of our holiday celebrations. We did things, but just trying to really bring intention and in how we wanted to be celebrating, what family traditions we wanted, what holidays we wanted to do, what values. And so many of the traditional holidays I feel like we're really inscribed in a lot of capitalist, colonialist, Christian values that I didn't feel. It's like our family was more being aligned to the seasons and turning back into nature and the seasonal shifts. Um, and so following the wheel of the year, of noticing the winter solstice and equinoxes, tapping back into nature and connection. But then in searching for children's books around it and trying to make our traditions, there just wasn't anything. Or there was these old books that were like the ancient Celts did this but not the kind of traditional like Christmas or Easter books where you just have a day in the life snapshot of how people currently celebrate. So the start of just like my partner and I just doodling, he's like really slapped together, like stapled together, marker drawn stories, like bedtime stories for our little one. Um, and then got to talking with Sarah, who was writing this book and children's book. And she really pushed me to like actually turn these into something and editing back and forth. And I'm so grateful to her. Um, especially I could feel like in the midst of the pandemic, these books really became a lifeline of having this creative project. And I think also just following the seasons when every day felt kind of the same, being at home with a two-year-old, being able to see the seasonal shifts, be able to connect with Sarah and do this creative project. Um, yeah, it was such a lifeline at that time. And then we ended up both getting our books published. And through that, met Ariel and found out she's right down the street and has become a dear friend, <laughs> which has been lovely to be able to connect as witches and writers. And lately, the three of us have been working together on projects and connecting and yeah, forming our little witchy coven, which has been so deeply nourishing. That is so cool. A uh, uh, different way of motherhood, I guess, you know, like, hey, let's write about witchcraft for our children that's great uh can you imagine the gears on other people's heads going you know when they hear like what you're teaching witchcraft to your children so ariel how do you fit into all this whole narrative yeah 
Well, it's, I'm so happy to be here. Um, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so unlike Sarah and Kathleen, I'm not a parent and I don't have any kids other than my my bunny. Um, but I was working in the children's room at a bookstore um, at Powell's Books in Portland. And I kept having kids come up and ask me, hey, can I have, is there a spell book? I want to learn how to cast spells and do magic. And I had enough kids asked me that and then my coworkers knew I was a witch and everyone was like you should just write it and so after like 10 kids asking that I started like drafting some things and then one thing turned into another and I was very fortunate that um turned into a book that was published in 2020 and I think I you know I'm just really inspired by the kids that I meet and then also just like I'm very in touch with my inner child and with what she wants and what I would have wanted as a kid and this would have been like sort of my dream book I just wanted to write my dream book that I would have loved as a kid so mm -hmm. that is wonderful that um thank you Ariel for clarifying that um you don't have to be a mom to care for kids you don't have to be a mom for uh advocate for them you don't have to be a mom to want to have this information at the ready and available for children to learn which brings me to my next question i remember a few decades ago when um, me being indigenous you know children are always part of our society of bringing they're never like separated from um not even our parties you know we celebrate about everything and it's uh you ask any mexican or so-called hispanic i hate that term but anyway that's another show. Um, the children at two o'clock in the morning at the parties and the children sleeping on the chairs while the adults party, you know, which for some people it will be outrageous, but for us it's like they're part of our community. So we cannot leave them outside the party, for example. So it was a cultural shock for me when I started learning about Wicca and witchcraft and paganism, but particularly about Wicca. Um, we th this cry, battle cry of we don't proselytize, we don't proselytize, which includes we don't teach the children, you know. And I understand that there has to be, as a parent, I think, um, giving your children free will and to be able to choose whatever they want. But how are they going to choose if they don't know the options? So how do you guys deal with this oh we don't proselytize in wicca or witchcraft um we don't indoctrinate the kids um but you're writing children's books so how do you what happened on your mind on your spirit with that dichotomy whoever wants to to take it in who wants to speak first <laughs> just unmute yourselves I mean, for me personally, because I'm not raising my own children in it, I'm just putting this out there for any kids that are specifically interested and gravitate towards it. And I'm not pushing it on anyone necessarily. But I also think my book, I'm trying to make it more of a set of practices and sort of um, spells and rituals that can fit within 
one's own personal beliefs. And so I'm not telling anybody that this is how the universe works or this is how magic works. It's like sort of a guideline that can be adapted for kids. And so, um, you know, I'm not just a witch. I have other spiritual sort of paths that I also kind of follow along with. And so I like my magic to be compatible with other spiritual practices as well. And so just kind of keeping that in mind when I wrote the book. Thank you. Sarah, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think for me, and I'm, I don't identify as a Wiccan, um, identify, I guess, like a, a general witch. Um, but I think that for my, for my daughter, I want to expose her to a lot of different religions and religious beliefs. Um, and never, I think the the line that I don't want to cross is saying that this is the one truth, this is the one way to live a spiritual life. Um, and so we do want to present different options and we talk about what different groups of people believe and here's what Muslims believe and here's what Christians believe. And uh, we also have a, a Jewish background as well. So we do the Jewish holidays in addition to the wheel of the year. And actually I asked my daughter the other day, I, I asked her if she identifies as a witch and she said, no, I identify as Jewish, but I like doing witchy things. So I think that I just want to present a lot of options because she is going to at school and with her friends, she's going to get exposed to things anyway. And so I do want to make sure that she has a good grounding in our family values as she goes out and explores and decides what her own values are and what practices fill her spiritual cup. Kelly? Mm -hmm. And I want to start with just, I love this question so much and really appreciate it. I think this is something I do grapple with a lot as a parent is where is this balance behind, I feel like really owning, like, I feel like having my own set of core values that drive me. But one of those is critical thinking and coming up with your own. And I very much want my child to like be able to make their own decisions in whatever they path they have about they want. I mean, I think about this across a lot of things. I mean, the spirituality pieces for sure. I was like, I'm vegan and we're raising our child for now vegan, but it's been very much like, this is why we're choosing this for now. But like you, when you get bigger, might make a different choice. And like that you have our full blessing, right? Like here are our reasons. And I think that's what I'm bringing with my spiritual practice. I think it was my own journey with that. It's like I was raised partially Catholic, partially atheist, my parents, and stepped back and like learning about a lot of different religions and taking like what pieces work for me. And I think so much of what I identified with as a witch was also kind of synonymous with like feminist or anti-oppression and looking at these different spaces and like less even the spiritual and more the politics mm -hmm. around it. Um, so I think, yeah, that's something I'm really trying to want this balance. Like this is something that means a lot to me. And like has added a lot of value to my life. So I want to share that with my child and the love of nature and these traditions, these practices, but then also very much not wanting to get stuck. Sarah said into like, this is the one right way or you have to, or in any way I'll be disappointed if you don't continue this path. Like I want you to decide the path that works for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of that is exposure is being really thoughtful about like, 
you know, our children's books, like we've tried to really bring like so many different cultures, so many different holiday celebrations into that and like filling our bookshelf with this and talking a lot about like, what are the ways that are similar and different? We're saving like a Kwanzaa book and we're like, what are the values that feel the same as what we've been talking around around kindness this season and what's different? And I think those are really important conversations across the board, but it is, it's a delicate balance, right? If you believe strongly in something, especially with us putting out there as authors, yeah, a lot, right? This public face of this and then not wanting to impose that. <laughs> yes. And I think um, to remind you, because I know we're, we're magic. We are here today, but we're not here yet. This show is, we are right now on Christmas night. Today is Christmas. So the question is, how do you, in a world with the world Christmas does not exist, <laughs> actually is the predominant holiday that we observe the majority of us in one way or another, right? Is today is Christmas. And for our children or grandchildren or the children on, on our families, they're going to be exposed and today is Christmas. So what is happening on your houses right now? What are your children seeing? Are they seeing a Yule log? Are they seeing uh, is Santa coming? Like, how do you, with all this wonderful diversity that you all mentioned that you guys have, what, what, I know you're here talking to me, but what are you doing right now? Or what do you think you're going to be doing? Sarah? Yeah. Um, our, I guess our winter solstice and, and December holidays have, they evolve a little bit every year. Um, so we do, I'm trying to think, what are we, what are we doing this year? So we we're doing our Hanukkah celebration that'll start, uh, tonight. And, uh, with that, we talk a lot, a lot of the themes are very similar to winter solstice. We talk a lot about creating light within the home when it's dark and cold outside and noticing the seasons and uh, thinking about how we can create a cozy environment in the home. Uh, this year, I have been studying a bit with uh, the Kohen some Kohenit uh, Jewish priestesses, and I learned that like the seventh night of Hanukkah is uh, women's night, and so we're going to incorporate a ceremony where we talk about all of the women who have inspired us over the past year and bringing that to the table. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Every year I have to take notes and you know make adjustments, and then um. Yeah, we actually do celebrate winter solstice on Christmas just because it is easier with school vacations and getting time off of work. And we've tried doing our big solstice bonfire on the actual winter solstice. And then, you know, it's difficult to get everybody up for school and work the next day. Um, and so I'm really not a perfectionist with the winter holidays, I'm like, all right, we're going to make this work. And what's important is that we have that time as a family where we're lighting candles and 
reading, you know, Yule stories and winter solstice stories and setting intentions for the new year and sort of putting some closure on the old year. And it's really fun watching my daughter's intentions become more mature every year. So like last year, she's like, I, my intention is that I'm going to eat ice cream, you know, at least once a week, uh, things like that. And so I've been watching her though, get more, more thoughtful with some of those. And it is uh, definitely one of our our family favorite holidays, but it's, it's also a busy time with Hanukkah and solstice and then just the the general Christmas Mm -hmm. environment that we all live inside. Yeah. And I like the point that you bring out that is the time because again, no war because there's nobody's oppressing Christmas. Um, but it's the time that you get off from work. It's the time the children get vacation. Is the time, you know, oh, but well, we're separate. Nah, really, you're not. Uh, so I appreciate that you bring out that point that um, you can't be a perfectionist, you know, when the world is not flexible enough for you to have your celebration of winter solstice on winter solstice proper, then you'll do it when you have the chance, but uh, you explain to your little one, or you know, like we're doing this, we're doing that. That sounds to me, it sounds perfect. It sounds like a lot of work, but it also sounds perfect. Anybody else, Ariel or Kathleen? Go ahead, Kathleen. <laughs> I just struck with that. I think this is one of the places where like, privilege comes in from an anti-oppression standpoint, right? It's like in your religious beliefs, do you get the holiday off of work? Right? Is this like nationally recognized? Are your holiday goods recognized in the grocery store and displayed at the times, right? And I think that's been something really sitting with that. If you're celebrating something different, mm-hmm. it feel really alienating, right? And it's really hard. So describing like, okay, I can try and do it on the day that actually works for my practice, but then we have school. So how do you squeeze it in on a work night or a school night? So we've done something really similar over time that's kind of morphed. I think especially with the solstice, it's so close and there's so much overlap, like between the 22nd and the 25th. Does it really matter? Like I've become a big fan of also doing holidays when they're convenient for us and celebrating instead of on the actual day. There's a funny meme about witchcraft is like, used to be like, you know, we're going to time this on like the full moon at the exact moment of the star's alignment. Now it's like, well, Debbie has book club that week, so let's do it the seventh like Thursday instead, right? Um, but I think getting at that, I think that was some of the intention in the books was wanting some more community around other people and like not having, feeling so alienated and celebrating differently. So I noticed the times when we did celebrate solstice instead, there was this feeling on Christmas day of like everyone else, even if this is a false narrative, but like everyone else is gathered and doing this feeling and feeling separated or othered. With mm-hmm. that, the kind of grounding in, for me, so much of it is the anticipation. Like we start celebrating the first of December and have a kindness calendar. And every day there's some like act of kindness that we do building up to the end of the season um, and crafts and you know, making presents for people, making presents for the birds and hanging up ornaments. And so kind of coming into core, grounding in the core values on this is a time in the Northwest where it gets really dark and rainy and dreary. 
So like, how are you creating your own light? I like going and hanging up lights outside, lighting candles on the altar, bringing in a tree, like bringing in nature in a time when it's harder to get outside and of really trying to anchor in the values and also less about like the getting stuff and the buying and the capitalism and more in this, like, how do we have community and light and giving and like really this joy of like connection with our community. And we are doing a new tradition this year that I'm excited about where we do kind of like our traditional things, like we bake sun bread to bring back the light and then the overlap of the traditional Christmas things, like we do exchange gifts and we have a tree and we do and bring Santa, we have Santa and the solstice fairy. Um, it's like a little tangent of like, I just struggled with Santa as this like very patriarchal figure of this like white dude in the sky who's judging you as naughty or nice. And then you're rewarded if you're nice with gifts and material possessions. And if you're naughty, you don't get things. And I just, I'm not on board with that narrative. <laughs> so we're trying to like balance that out of like, I like the magical piece of that. I like the flying reindeer. I like that there's these magical creatures that are giving gifts. So trying to really take like, what are the pieces of this I like mm-hmm. that you're going to be exposed to anyway? And what's the piece we can balance out? So like adding in the divine feminine, but there's also a solstice fairy adding in that really this is about giving mm-hmm. as well as getting and about joy in a dark time and getting through the darkness of winter and doing that together. Um, it's very rambling. We have a lot of traditions, but yeah, the new part <laughs> that we're doing is having a lantern walk on actual solstice. So we're going to gather some friends over her other witchy families and make little lanterns and go around and sing songs and just do a little loop around the neighborhood for that on solstice night. So I'll report back how that one goes. <laughs> Circled, but those are some of our traditions. That is so awesome. I I love that you integrate the feminine and of course you know there's a center class center class that is like a feminine and angel like energy and of course la befana but befana doesn't come until epiphany day which is in January but um, I love this integration also of like feminine energies and creating your own traditions I mean there's nothing better than creating your own traditions and Believe it or not, when my grandson was seven, maybe, I started buying a candle, different candles, you know, could be a taper candle, it could be an elaborated candle. Now he's 16, we're going to buy him an aromatic candle, you know, because that room smells like 16-year-old boy. Um, And we bring it to my grandson and my stepdaughter, and then we tell them it has to be lit tonight. And that and that's it. That's the extent of my winter solstice celebration with him is like I made a point to see him that day. Here are the candles, and then my stepdaughter makes the point of it needs to be lit tonight, you know, because they're you know, they have their own religion and they follow their own calendars and all that. And then of course we get together in Christmas, you know, and and then after Christmas, you know, now that he's older, we bake together and we make cookies and whatnot. But um, the candle is like, it's been so many years that now he knows, like, Lita is going to come with a candle. We have to light the candle that night. But Ariel, what what are you doing right now? <laughs> what are you be doing on Christmas? Yeah, um, I also come from a family background that's like half Jewish and half Catholic. And so I'm also doing Hanukkah and then, you know, sort of the the 
the magical aspects of Christmas, um, you know, I like doing a tree and making it like I make a little pentagram and put it on the top of the tree, sort of like infusing it with some witchiness and like making spell ornaments. Um, Kathleen and I actually just did an event where we taught kids how to make little witch ball ornaments to put on the tree. That's something that I've already been doing, like I'll, you know, dry oranges or different things that have different magical symbolism and then I'll hang them on the tree and the tree is like this like living spell in the room essentially. Um, so I do Hanukkah, Yule, Christmas, and then for the solstice, um, you know, always try to have a fire, or at the very least light a candle. I think for me, the through line with all the holidays in December is light. And, um, you know, I, the word hope is just really big for me at this time of year. It's also my middle name, Ariel Hope. And I feel like it's just very important for me, especially in the dark, dreary Pacific Northwest. You know, I always get a little bit of seasonal affective disorder this time of year. And so that light just feels like feels like a lifeline. And that's why it's such an important symbol for this time of year. And yeah, just lighting candles. That's my I, big thing. <laughs> I like how you bring in, uh, I think all of us are kind of sort of on the same page about candles, light, candles, light. I love the idea, by the way, Kathleen, I almost forgot. Uh, there's a book there about the 21 days of, uh, oh, acts of compassion, you said? You know, so there, there's a little bit Advent book in there with uh, Lizzo 21 Days of Compassion for Kids practice coming into the solstice, you know. I mean, you can send me my royalty check when the book is out. <laughs> but uh, I love that that y'all, we all are talking about light and hope, hope, aerial hope. Uh, you know, to bring hope and because that's what's about, right? It's about nature, it's about the light returning, and it's about sharing with family, friends, or the friends that we call family. It doesn't have to be family of origin all the time. And I love to hear, I mean, to me, you are all very young women. I know you probably are not considering yourselves like super young, but it's good to see young women. Um, really digging deep into the meaning of, of it and the feeling of it and sharing your various rich background giving that enriching that background to your children now or to the children around you in the case of ariel um and i i just love that i just love that we are all in sync into like it's about nature it's about light it's about hope the seasonal affective disorder because we were not supposed to be working at this time of the year we were supposed to be hibernating and i will never not say that i truly believe that sad seasonal affective disorder is another thing that we owe to capitalism and patriarchy but i digress we live in a system we cannot escape the system so we do the best that we can to survive within that system. With that said, I know you all will love to just do your books and gift them to your friends and family. Alas, you have to pay bills. So what is the process? What is this process of, I have an idea, now I have to have a book. So I know some of you have stuff coming 
2024, which probably began in 2020, I don't know. Uh, so tell me, uh, either Ariel or Sarah, you, you both have stuff coming out in 2024. Tell us a little bit about this process of writing and, and getting your ideas together and et cetera. Ariel, if you like to go first, I appreciate that. Sure. I mean, I think it's different for everyone and there's no like one path that any published writer takes. Um, for me, it's very different for the first book versus this Oracle deck. But the first book, it was really like I had this idea, I was developing it. And then I just told people about it. And I shared my ideas, people who are in the book industry. And I happened to talk to the right person <laughs> who connected me with an agent. And then she supported the idea, I developed it, and then uh, and ended up selling at auction and to Chronicle. And I'm just, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened. So um, and then once that happened and the book came out, then I had like all these other ideas for kids witchy books and for the Oracle deck. And so I just started like throwing them out there and then seeing what sticks. And so the Oracle deck is the second one that um, I had. That one was a lot easier to, to get out there and I'm excited to see it. But yeah, I have like 10 ideas for other books. I hope that I can just keep going. So fingers crossed. <laughs> if you've in those books. Uh Listen here, everybody, we are witness here. When the Little Witches Oracle deck comes out, I want you to come back to the show. I would love that. You Maybe. know, let's let's talk about the Little, little Witches uh, Oracle deck. Um, I love to see, because with Zara, with, with the uh, Terra deck mess, um, the little tarot card, oh my God, I love him so much. And as a person, I do that for a living, you know, I like support myself, not only lecturing and not only doing all the other things that I do, but also as a tarot reader and uh, love seeing the little tarot that you created, Sarah, the, the book, the whole thing, you know how I feel about it. And I cannot wait, uh, Ariel, to see the little witch's oracle deck because I really like your book a lot. I think it's for for a little bit older children is not like for such tiny tiny kids so i would like to see and also as a minister and a priestess you gotta get with the times you know like how are the kids talking nowadays i cannot i i uninstall tiktok i don't know what people talk anymore i you know so i have to i'm gonna what i'm telling myself is i'm gonna have to download tiktok again so i can understand the world no i'm addicted but anyway sarah you have another project coming for 2024. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us a little bit about the process for you. Yeah, um, I do. I have a bedtime board book called Magic Child that will be out in spring 2024. I don't have um, a release date yet. And my process has been definitely different from Ariel's. And as she said, every every book's journey looks really different and every author's journey looks different. Um, this was something, I guess, I, I don't know. It, I am in, um, sorry, I am in a like writing club or organization uh, called the 12 by 12 picture book challenge. And you're supposed to try to write 
one book a month for the entire year. Um, so this was a book that I had written after I attended a session on just how to write board books. And I wanted to try it out for myself. Um, but yeah, I would say I probably write about 20 manuscripts for every one that I've sold. Um, so it is just a lot of idea generation and trying a draft and then throwing the draft out or sending a manuscript to different publishers and agents and getting a ton of rejections, especially because I think that the the type of books that I like to write are not the most mainstream in the world. They uh, a lot of a lot of them have um, uh, more like political points of view, or they're really grounded in uh, my values, or they're explicitly witchy. So, yeah, lots of lots of rejections for for all of the the manuscripts, but this one, uh, I was able to sell to the publisher that I had worked with for Tarot Deck Mass, which is Moondust Press, and the publisher, Andy, um, really loved the text. And she is an amazing art director. So she found me uh, this fantastic illustrator to work with who does lino cut art. Um, and she is in England. Uh, so we met over Zoom and had a conference uh, about just the vision for the book. And uh, her name is Nicole. And she has just taken the book up like 10, 10 levels to something that I couldn't have even imagined before. And so I also feel really lucky that I was able to write and illustrate a book myself and see what that's like to be able to have the whole vision uh, and then also experience what it's like to collaborate with an illustrator who's going to take what you give her and run with it and make it so much better than I could have dreamed. I'm so very happy that you are entering this journey and uh, collaboration. How difficult must it be to have an idea and a vision and then having to bring somebody else on board and see where that goes but it also takes and and i salute you for the confidence on your work to be like okay this is gonna make it better you know it's, it's gonna be different and growing up i remember my mom used to say you be very aware that you regret the things that you didn't do so you will never regret not having that collaboration, you know, because you're you're taking the plunge. You're taking the, you know, like, oh, am I going to do it? Yes, am I going to do it? Okay, so Kathleen, are there any other projects? I kind of see that in your books you have, they feel a little bit like seasonal, you know, so like first day of spring, the longest night, Samhain. Is it going to be a whole series, you think? 
Yeah, it's going to be all eight of the Wheel of the Year. So we just kind of mapped out a timeline for the rest. The next one that's coming out is um, Brandon the Beltane Dance, which is a May Day Beltane book. Um, so it's going to be the next one that's going to be coming out spring 2025. And then we're going to do Fall Equinox after that. Um, and then we'll do Summer Solstice in bulk. And then Lunasa last, which is like the least known of <laughs> the Wheel of the Year. It's the last one for me to celebrate. That is so fantastic. I... I really admire the ability to sit down and write because I am obviously good at talking or I praise myself as being, uh, I'm a talker. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I'm gonna tell you the story. I have said it a million times. My, my listeners are gonna probably gonna be like, there she goes with the five pesos coin again. My mother, when I was like four or five years old, gave me a five pesos coin that will cover my whole little hand as a five, four-year-old child and said, here's five pesos. You get to keep them if you're quiet for five minutes. And I came back after like three minutes tugging her skirt saying, here's your money. I want to talk. And then I never stopped, you know, because I love talking. I It's easier for me. And then talking about the different language that is not my native language, of course, is like, you know, Writing has been very challenging for me, you know, like I write, I, I have collaborated in a number of books now, thank you to, you know, my friends that have invited me to, from different uh, publishing houses and different books, and you know, I've written an article here and a spell there, and, but to write a whole book, and you want to write a whole series of books, that is a huge drive behind you how old are your children uh kathleen or child if if you don't mind me asking yeah i just have one who's five mm -hmm. so it's been kind of the books have also been kind of evolving along with my little ones so it's like they're getting more complicated like the beginning and she was two was like very simple stories and now kind of trying to tackle some bigger issues around how do you navigate anxiety or perfectionism how are we talking about climate change so i'm also seeing as She's getting older. It's our family traditions, but it's also trying to tackle what's happening developmentally, too. Wow, that is, I can only imagine how long it takes you to like go through the process. Because okay, you, this is what I'm picturing, right? You pick, you pick the holiday, and then you write a story about the protagonist around the story and tackle into this, that, and the other part of the tradition. But how? How do you pick and choose? How And how do you make the stories that are not all the same? Yeah, that's the that's the tricky part. Um, I mean, I think what Sarah was talking to was like all the different drafts. Like I did them kind of all together was to like make this table of like, okay, what are the key things from each holiday? It's sort of just like a table. Here's the holidays. Here's kind of the core themes. Here's the things we do to celebrate. Here's kind of the value attached to it. And then had this kind of big roadmap, but then trying to make the stories, some came quickly and some it was like, it was just like so much thank you to Sarah and like any other critique party. I was like, here's, you know, Samhain take 217 <laughs> in the version of this. And then also trying to get them to rhyme. So you'd have an idea and trying to like do it in verse, which I deeply regret in hindsight, but for like little ones <laughs> having this sing-songy flow and it also felt like a spell. So mm -hmm. it's hindsight to have that, but makes it so much harder to take the idea and then how do you actually fit this into the meter? Um, so it's a lot of drafts and a lot of garbage. And I think I just got into like, you just have to like put out the terrible drafts first and be willing to just like crumple them up and maybe you'll get like one line or one phrase that's salvageable. 
going oh, my goodness. You you just reaffirmed my belief on I should stick to podcast. <laughs> you know, plus you need somebody to do the interviews. So there you go. Um how I think things are shifting, right? Because I've been in the United I've been in the United States for 25 years. I've been openly and publicly practicing my ministry 14 years, maybe. It's been two years that I've seen heavily children's literature, witchy, pagan, Wiccan, whatever you call it. I must say, and I'm very proud to say that I have brought this conversation about children being taught our traditions and our values since I've been doing this podcast about five years ago. Um, but the literature I really notice has been like two years. So you guys are kind of like at the beginning of this save revolution. Um, how easy or how hard has been <laughs> no pressure to have this kind of pressure uh, with you, with the publishing houses, with your support systems? Why, what will you tell the next writer, the next author? What do you tell them to how to go about it? Sarah, I see your head is about to fall. Tell us something. <laughs> she's not in so enthusiastic sorry I just I'm nodding with everything everybody's saying um yeah no I think uh there there is a shift because the the practice of whatever branch of witchcraft you are they're all growing in popularity I think it's more it the practice of witchcraft is more aligned to the values that are bubbling up, people are are seeing that capitalism isn't it and patriarchy isn't it. And I think a lot of people are looking for something else and something that's more embodied where we value the earth and recognize our own power. And uh, just the, the journey of the witchy kids books, I think it started a lot with the self-published authors um who were like the the first uh well the, the word pioneer sounds very like imperialist I don't know what uh, the the like groundbreakers uh in creating books like this for young people and then I have to give a lot of credit to Moondust Press um who's uh my publisher and Kathleen's publisher for really um being sort of a, a breakthrough and getting moving from self-published into um being distributed by a mid-sized publisher um and getting the attention even of some some bigger bigger publishers and uh publishers that have been around for a long time and then I'm sure Ariel would like to maybe speak to that because of the three of us, I think you're with a publisher who who does not specialize just in witchy children's books and, and Chronicle uh, is a is a really big name in in publishing. And so I'll turn that over to you. 
Yeah, I think it's just been interesting because obviously uh, Chronicle believed in the mission of the book and believed that it would sell. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken me on. And I really connected with my editor a lot, who was also a very like witchy, magical kid. And so, um, but I think that from what I can gather, um, they might, I don't think they expected it to sell quite as well as it is. Um, and that took people by surprise. And I think that just from what I've been seeing is it's sort of like started the ball rolling kind of slowly and then it's been picking up and it's selling now better than ever. And so that's been really amazing to see that it's like over time, it's like this magic that's starting to spread out into the world and gather momentum. And I don't think it's, it's just like the collective movement of like more and more families starting to embrace this sort of lifestyle yeah, that's been really cool to see. And I think that uh, the more voices in this genre, the better. Um, you know, anytime I see another witchy, you know, kids memoir, uh, sorry, not memoir, <laughs> grimoire, I'm like, great, like, I shouldn't be the only one. There should be, lot, you know, all the voices. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, pioneer is probably not the best word, but at the same time, it is. I mean, because I'm thinking, okay, Pioneer, now Explorer, um, the, the the ones that broke the mold, and they all have that stupid implication of being, you know. So, own it, honey. You're the first. You're, you're the Pioneer. So, like, whatever. Maybe Explorer is a little bit less. The first that adventured into this. You know, it's it's difficult. It's so difficult when there is no language that prevents us from explaining or expressing ourselves in ways that could be patriarchal and colonizing and because they don't exist. So we create them. We look at the authors and see what the authors come up with, right? And Kathleen, what will you tell the next publisher, the, the next author that comes trying to explore something that hasn't been explored before or or jump into this um genre that you guys are we're the first to explore you know i think i think it's do it leap I'm going back to what you were saying, you're like writing the book that your inner child wanted to see. And I feel like my inner child has just been so rejoicing in this project and in seeing this cultural shift, this being more widely available. And I think the piece that's actually felt the most beautiful for me in this whole process is showing my little one, like, who's like, you can write a book, right? Like she has the sense of like, yeah, I can just like create books if I want to create books hearing like other people come up and like, oh, like it hasn't occurred to me. Like I want to write a story about my cultural traditions that aren't present or seen. And my hope is that it's like my doing is giving permission or like modeling like, yeah, do it, right? Like we need more voices. We need more of this out there. So if you have an idea and you believe in it, do it. I want it. I want to read it. I want to see your book. <laughs> I go there and put it out there. Yeah. And I love what Ariel say, you know, even if it is another grimoire, even if it is the same spell for love, the way Ariel experiences love and wrote about love is not the same way that I experience love. I will write about love, which is not the same way 
any of us experience love because it's not a um unique experience you know there's so many different colors and um tones of how to draw with love you know and it's art and it's creation at the end of the day it's connection with the divine uh this is something i told sarah when when we had the first interview and i will repeat until i die when i see people creating what i see is goddess in action you know we are embodying the creator as we create and as we do the things. So for me, it's really important to continue to see younger generations, right? Such as yourselves, exploring new paths. I thought about it without one part. Uh, so that your little ones or your little friends, if you haven't birthed a, a, a child, uh, can now do their own exploration, right? Because they don't want, we don't want them to do what we did. We want them to do something different. And then for people like me, you know, I'm a minister, I'm a priestess. So I need to like get with the program. How are we talking to kids? Because I have, and Florence is not gonna let me lie. Florence is the first pagan mom I ever met with whom I made the very first motherhood and paganism podcast. I used to say I'm allergic to children because I don't know how to speak to them, you know, but all of you are helping me find ways now to speak to children, you know, throughout the tarot deck. Uh, and that's why I so fall hard and fast with the tarot deck mask because it's like, oh, it's tarot, but for kids. So now you, you have the tools on how to speak to them. So to everyone out there that wants to, like you guys, continue writing or want to start exploring the new path of writing for children, there's nothing that cannot be said. And if you cannot say it to a kid, then don't say it, <laughs> I guess. Um, ladies, the time is of the essence. Can you believe it's already time? Um, is there anything I didn't ask you? that is imperative that we talk about before we say goodbye i'll let you think about that before um i'm gonna invite people while i invite people i'm inviting you all to listen to csmp the circle center and network podcast we have over a thousand hours of podcasts that you can listen download and share we have this the first and third tuesday of the month circle talk on the third Wednesday of the month, we have Circle of Nature. Uh, second and fourth Friday, we have Songs of the Pagan Tribe. On the third Friday, we have Blue Marble. Every Saturday, we have Paganos del Mundo, or Pagaos del Mundo, in Spanish and Portuguese. And um, on Mondays, second and fourth Monday, with yours truly, we have uh, Lunatic Mondays. So, uh, what is there something that I haven't asked that we need to talk about and who wants to jump with that? Um, I wanted to just circle circle back to what we, uh, what I would say to anyone else who is interested in writing um, yes. pagan or witchy children's books is that going going back to the first question that we discussed about not... Uh, Put it, forcing our kids to practice the same spiritual practices that we practice um, 
is that we really do need a variety of voices and a diversity of perspectives, even within the pagan picture book world. Um, what I love most about witchcraft is that there's no one way to do it and that it is self-determined path for every single one of us. And so in order for children to find their unique path, we need all the voices in this space. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And uh, little birdie is telling me here about a newsletter. What's going on? What's the newsletter? Um, I just wanted to share with audiences too that um, the three of us have started our own newsletter called Seasons of the Witchling, and it is a um, quarterly newsletter that corresponds with a pagan holiday on the Wheel of the Year, and every time we send it out, we send out a spell, a little bit of seasonal enchantment, some tarot um, for kids, and yeah, we encourage everyone to to sign up for it okay and uh where can we sign up how can we do it somebody else remembers okay sarah i have we don't we don't have a seasons of the witchling website yet um but you can sign up um i i believe we all have it linked on our instagram bios and I also have um, a newsletter sign up on my website, which is sarahgbeck.com. Um, I just want to give space if there's another good way for people to sign up. You know, a good thing will be to tell people how to find you on uh, Instagram. All three of you are on Instagram. So tell us how to find you on Instagram. Uh, this is Sarah. I am... The number nine underscore of underscore wands. Ariel? I am Sea of Velvet. And so it's C as in an ocean, S-E-A underscore of underscore velvet. And um, my website is arielcusby.com. And on the uh, contact page there's also a link where you can sign up for our newsletter as well thank you and kathleen oh we can hear you honey i am at kg converse on instagram like the sneakers kg and then converse like the shoes c-n-b-e-r-s-e kg converse and i just so you know, I just put KGC and right away I pop your um, page with your books. So there you have it, folks. Go to Instagram, follow these ladies, go to the newsletter, go to their bios. Um, there's a meme that really makes me laugh that it says people on Instagram has links in their bios for a reason. Go click them. And, and I'm the walking, talking meme. People on Instagram have links on their bios. Go click them, me included. Uh, so you can find these newsletters, you can find community. And even if you're not a writer, even if you're not thinking about you want to pursue this career or explore these new paths, go follow these ladies so you can learn about the good work that they're doing to give our children 
options and teach our children about diversity and teach our children about the very tumultuous world in which we are living and how to speak to the children about these situations. You know, you all mentioned anti-racism, anti-capitalism, um, being vegan, if that is your choice, many cultures, many choices, and the plethora of diversity that is out there for children to understand that there is not just one way, but that there are many ways and that the different, the different colors of a tapestry, the different colors of every thread on the tapestry is what makes the tapestry beautiful. It's all the different threads. So, you know, the, the beauty lies in diversity and we need more of that. So with that said, I would like to say thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. I I don't mean to single out, but I have to say, Sarah, thank you so much for helping me connect with all these beautiful people here and for taking on the courage to say, I want to do it. I will never forget that my interview was your very first interview. So I have like a, I feel a very special connection with you about, about what you, what you do in your work. So of course, thank you, Sarah, for being here. And to my very new friends that I have just made today. Thank you so much, Ariel, hope for being here. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for being here. May your every wish and every desire for you and everyone that is listening Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, Birth of Wisilopochli, Pankensalisli, uh, Winter Solstice, the water boiler is working. Whatever it is you're celebrating today, dinner was delicious. Whatever it is you're celebrating today, may we may you be holy and happy and full of hope and light and, and love and merry everything to everyone. Uh, I give you all the microphones so you can say good night and goodbye to your audience. Um, Sarah, Ariel, and Kathleen, in that order, if you don't mind, go ahead, Sarah. Laura, thank you so much again for for having us. This was a lovely chat, and I hope you have a very cozy and warm and delightful winter solstice, Yule, and New Year's. Likewise. Ariel? Laura, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. And yeah, many, many bright, hopeful, warm wishes to you and your listeners. Happy holiday season. Happy holidays to everyone. Thank you, uh, Ariel. Um, Kathleen? Uh, and my heart is just so full. It just feels so good to connect with all of you today. I just really appreciated that and connecting even the listeners who weren't there, just other people who are interested in this and wishing such a wonderful season of hope and peace and light and all the good things likewise and to all my listeners you all know i always tell you one thing well today you multiply it by infinite never forget that you are loved bye-bye lunatic mondays is a production of laura gonzalez for csn podcasts building bridges of community around the world Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. 
please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcast. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.